from deep behind the enemy lines of FEMA Region 3. You're listening to the Powder Monkey Podcast on PirateInfoWars.com. Episode 53 of the Powder Monkey Podcast. Um, this is a, uh, a Labor Day special. Uh, so I've said several times in uh, my previous podcast, originally I'm a toy collector. I just, I want to go back to a, a period of time where, you know, finding toys is my biggest, <laughs> you know, my biggest uh, uh, worry in life. You know, the biggest conspiracy of why did they have short stacks on Optimus Prime versus, uh, you know, this Court of Owls New World Order that's that I feel is going on? Anyway, I have Scott Nightlick on with me today. Um, Scott is a, uh, in all senses of the word, a toy guru. He has uh, been brand manager for some of the biggest names in uh, in in toy history. So uh, uh, Scott has. Uh, sort of captivated me recently over the past few months. I've, I've kind of found Spectre Creative on YouTube and uh, I just love every one of his videos so far. I'm telling my friends and, <laughs> and all my toy collecting friends. So uh, Scott, thanks for taking an hour out of uh, your, your your day today uh, on this holiday and uh, spending it with us on, aboard the Powder Monkey. Thanks for, thanks for selling aboard, sir. Oh, thank you. No, honestly, a real joy to be here. Your room looks a lot like mine if it wasn't blurry behind me. Well, yeah, I, well, and, and, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing I, I, my wife's always like, you've got a lot going on. Uh, but I, some of the guests I've had on actually, uh, led to some really great segments. Uh, one, uh, Joe Biggs, he, he sort of, uh, during the first, um, uh, Transformers movie, Bay movie, uh, he was one of the soldiers that came in and sort of taught, taught the actors how to act and, and, you know, just, so, and that led into, you know, a, a lot of different things. So there, there's always a conversation to be had, but yeah, it's, it has uh, sort of, I guess, really been the background for what I do, you know, in, in the podcasting, you know, uh, universe here with, uh, you know, with some of the other things, I believe freedom is the right of all sentient beings. And, uh, I think we all know where that came from. And so, uh, you know, droid uh, torture. I'm sorry, say again, sir. Droid torture. <laughs> so, absolutely. And so, um, you know, I just, I, I wanted to have you on and uh, talk about, you know, some things. Uh, I don't know what year you were born. I'm, I'm going to assume that just from, just from your, uh, uh, you know, previous episodes that, Sometime in the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s? 
cl uh, cl close enough. You don't, if you don't count that my prom date was Joan of Arc. <laughs> okay. So I, I think that um, you probably remember a time where advertising was a little different than it is today with kids. Um, uh, as far as, as far as what they would were able to see and, and whatnot on, uh, you know, concerning, you know, is the commercial a, you know, a, a 30 minute long episode or is it a, um, you know, an actual children's, you know, uh, entertainment program, I, I guess. So uh, you have uh, with Spectre Creative, um, you have uh, 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 something I think, you know, uh, they say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And I think with Spectre Creative, that that kind of is a comes from a, a place of love, uh, you know, for what you do. So uh, maybe talk, maybe let's set the stage with that. Uh, what is Spectre Creative? Uh, what is it that you do? Uh, give the the guests a little bit of your background, and then we'll go a little bit further with uh, you know with with the podcast. Sure. No. Awesome. And again, in advance, I really appreciate you having me on the show today. It's not like I get to talk you know, toys and collectability and, uh, you know, human rights for droids with my family all the time. It's uh, you know, <laughs> usually reserved for when I could talk to my, my fellow collectors like this. So it's awesome to connect. Uh, so let's see, I, I've, been, I've been a lifelong collector since I was a kid. Um, you know, I definitely remember that moment when it went from kid collecting to adult collecting. There was definitely that, you know, that shift. And uh, after college, after I worked in pharmaceutical marketing for about four years, I was lucky enough to land a job at Mattel in their uh, uh, Hot Wheels group. Spent a few years in there before transferring over to the action figure group, where I started up what became MaddieCollector.com, which was a more of a, well, it was a figure of the month club for adult collectors where you'd sign up for a brand, Ghostbusters, DC, He-Man, Masters, et cetera, and everybody. Yep, Voltron was that. Yep, exactly. Back to the Future. And we did. It was a very blessed time. Believe me, I'm so grateful for the experience because I tell a lot of people it's kind of like the hair club for men. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> selling it, but I'm also a member. Uh, for those of you who remember those commercials, that that'll be me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I worked on that for about ten years, and then was recruited away by either previous directors that I worked for at Mattel who had moved on, or in the case, a few headhunters, recruiters, not like cannibal headhunters, and uh, to different toy companies. I worked for Jada for a while, Jack Specific. Uh, I worked for Entertainment Earth for a little while before moving from California to North Carolina, where I started Spectra Creative as a consulting group where I work with both established toy companies like Orange Onions yeah, out of Ohio as well as individual entrepreneurs that are developing toy product and trying to find ways to get it to market. And that could include everything from creating content that'll sell toys to prototyping, to packaging, to designing product that'll actually work at retail. You can't just you know take a toy and throw it on the shelf. It has to be part of a program. And that's what I help people develop is taking their ideas and turning it into something that can actually sell toys. So I love doing that. I love working with inventors and entrepreneurs and people who just have like, oh, I have this idea, but I can't figure out the next step. So spectrecreative.com, head over and uh, we do it all. And there's Absolutely. YouTube videos for funsies. 
So I'm uh, later on in the uh, in the podcast. I'm going to throw out three ideas, and I want you to tell me why that they would either work or fail. Just just off the top of my head. Um, but uh, so I, I guess um, it, you know from I guess from marketing all the way to um, you know final product. You've you've touched every aspect of the of the business basically. Now you also. Uh, consult in the the psychological aspect of it as well is is that correct oh very much so and that's really what separates a lot of what i do from others is that actually I, my partner is a child play therapist uh has her master's from nyu and yes so much of what we do isn't just about oh let's like get plastic on the shelf it's about understanding why children play why collectors collect why you know how parents shop for toys and mm -hmm. there is a huge psychological component that a lot of groups a lot of toy companies don't even look at and that really is the key to success because that's the difference between really a toy line that's going to do well and is going to be sort of a one and done is understanding what we're called play patterns and the way children engage with toys so that really is our specialty and helping bring that out in the product from day one as opposed to sort of meshing it in after the fact Right. My mom was a uh, a huge, um, you know, part of my collecting. Uh, it, I can remember the day. Um, I don't remember the comic book, but I can remember the actual point uh, in my life where collecting sort of took hold. Um, didn't have any younger brothers or sisters. Uh, toys were kind of my, uh, you know, what they were sort of my world. They, you know, they were, I was sort of the beyonder of that, of that reality. <laughs> and, um, you know, until I had a little brother come along or something like that, you know, that, that was how I passed my time. Um, and as things progressed, you know, uh, toys sort of had, you know, always had sort of a hallmark. I was hit by a drunk driver in 1984. And while I was the, the one of the first things I remember from waking up was my cousin being there and handing me the first uh, Marvel's first in the you know limited series uh, Transformers issue, and my whole world sort of changed from that moment on. Uh, the day I left the hospital, we went straight to KB Toys, and uh, I got Thundercracker, first one off the shelf. So you know, I, for me, toys aren't just a um, aren't just a, a, a thing to display on a shelf, but they're a, they're a moment in time, uh, you know, sort of immortalized in plastic. I'll always see Thundercracker and and harken back to that. And and so, you know, I, I, where did it start for you? I mean, do you? I, I've heard you talk about Luke's back to tank and and some things, but um, you know, where did it start for you as as a, as a collector? That the way you said it's a great way of putting. I've actually did a video about that recently about like mark. I think it was called like marking time in toys and like those moments. Wow. There's certain moments both as a child that we remember getting a toy. I mean, I remember being seven and getting uh, for my birthday one of the gifts I got was a Kenner Y wing. Um, maybe I mean I don't know if I was seven or six or five, whatever it was. But my parents had uh, wrapped it and put it on the the end of my bed. So when I woke up at you know six in the morning on my birthday there was my gift like sitting right there before they like they like i didn't even have to go wake them up or go find it it was just like i just remember like waking up and like oh my god a y-wing um as far as that transition from kid to adult i definitely know <laughs> i don't i can pinpoint it um <laughs> i was in i was in target with my father and uh, I, I this was i was really into ninja turtles 
and but it had been that transition from you know like playing to collecting and I, I even remember the figure it was tattoo which was like an orange samurai character who had stickers that you put on him that were his tattoos so you could put cover him with stickers or just put one sticker what he was like customize your character and I had it in my hand and again I remember crystal clear my father saying to me you can either have the toy or the blonde meaning I had to like grow up and start dating girls or I could continue playing with toys <laughs> and I put tattoo down and I didn't buy him I guess you could say I chose girls and ironically I went on to marry a beautiful blonde who actually grew up with two comic book nerd brothers older <laughs> brothers so she totally understood what I you know like she's like I'm not into it but I totally get what you're doing because my brothers were like that uh, but yeah that was kind of the moment I think it was between that and it was passing up on so many of the toy biz, I guess, four or five inch Marvel X-Men figures. This was before Marvel Legends. And I really liked those toys, but I felt like I was too old for them. So I didn't buy them, even though I really liked them. And so flash forward to today is why I'm sort of obsessive compulsive about X-Men Marvel Legends, because I'm making up for those toys I never got as a kid. Um, even though right. and it's cool that the Marvel Legends are better, if you will, I mean, more articulated, larger, more details, etc. So, yeah, a big reason I, I think a lot of us collect is you're making up for what you couldn't get as a kid because we now are empowered. And that goes back to that emotional connection right there. You, you know, uh, it's it's funny that you kind of mentioned that because I, I had that sort of that same moment. Um, and. So I guess uh, I'm happily married now, um, but, uh, you know, the, I, I always would bring the women into my, this is all a man cave here, 12 by 24, and I'm absolutely out of room, but uh, I, I <laughs> yep. would always, you know, set the stage, I would bring women in, I would show them around, and then I would say, look, I, I need you to understand something. Women are going to come and go, but plastic is forever. <laughs> and so... And so if, and if, if it worked from there, um, you know, then maybe it was meant to be, but uh, so here I am anyway. So, uh, but no, I, I hope my wife doesn't see that. She doesn't watch my podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it, it is, it was sort of that thing. I can't, I can't imagine the people who regret now some of the things that were in their attic that got thrown out. Uh, I happened upon a terror drum years ago that was my brother's that my grandmother, thank God, had packed away pristinely for probably 10 years. And uh, so ran across a, a bunch of uh, a terror drum, uh, jets, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so, and it, it's always good to find those things. And I think when you do, you sort of, again have that rush back and that that uh affirmation of man you know i'm i really am glad that uh you know i grabbed it when i could or i did i you know added it to my collection when i could because it's always going to be there so yeah but, and uh, that's one of the really interesting things about it is yeah we have such a limited window often to buy stuff but yes like you said once you have it it's always there yeah but if you I, miss and it, i got lucky I, I found a uh finally found a lando at Walmart the other day. And so um, I'm, I'm really glad I did that. Uh, you know, it was like, do I get Lando or do I get this this Cosmos that they have, um, you know, at Walmart right now? Just, so I chucked the Cosmos and just grabbed Lando and 
I'm so glad I did that. It was so, you know, it was so affirming which, to which me. Which Lando was this? The, uh, the, uh, no, I'm, I'm making a joke. Actually, I grabbed oh, Cosmo. Oh, I was going to say, Lando's not that hard to find. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, um, take nothing I say seriously. I'm, I'm, I'm not serious. I'm always joking. But, um, no, uh, it, it's, it is, it's, it's fun to hunt when you're out there. Um, a buddy who works at Walmart actually did find Cosmos, finally brought it to me and I had actually grabbed a second one for him that I happened to stumble across. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool when you have friends like that, that do that. He has a, uh, he's a huge masters of the universe collector, by the way, huge fan. Uh, you know, we were talking about attorney when he was here yesterday. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it just, uh, it's good when you have those kind of friends, especially from, from, you know, grade school, uh, kindergarten, he and I were taking Shogun Warriors and, you know, the diecast ones and slide them down the sl slicky slide, uh, you know, at, at recess. And again, those are, those are memories that, uh, that, that you build, but, you know, um, you talked about something that uh, I thought was, was really good. You mentioned open-ended play and the importance of it. And, um, you know, things with children. Um, that was that was kind of the one thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, you know, I said I wouldn't get too political. Um, and, it, you know, anything you want to put out there, absolutely. But um, has, has, I guess, the, the, the toy industry itself, has it, how it looks at um, marketing to children from a psychological standpoint, from, from the point where, you know, we were children and, you know, Reagan had relaxed a lot of the FCC regulation. And then we got all these great, um, you know, Transformers, He-Man, you know, G.I. Joe, all these different things. Um, how, how has that evolved or has it evolved over, you know, to, to what our children and our even grandchildren now are, are, are beginning to see? Well, you know, I think you know, and again, not to get too political, but there's this movement to sort of unify all children that were all the same, regardless of skin color, gender, that, yeah, I mean, like California has passed a law that toys can't be sold by gender. Like you can't say these are boys' toys, these are girls' toys. Right. And while I understand all children should be able to pick whatever toy they want, um, and there's, at the end of the day, there's very little difference between a doll and an action figure. They're literally the same thing. It's just about how you play with it. Right. Um, but at the same time, boys and girls' brains, men and women, but especially when they're developing as children, they function literally different. Like their brains are quite literally different organs. I mean, yes, they're both brains, you know, if you will, but... The process information is different. There's a reason that, um, you know, boys are more aggressive in their play and girls are more what are called nurturing. You know, girls do tea time, boys wrestle. And I'm, I'm not being, you know, and it's funny, like you even start talking about this and like you get like, oh, my God, can I even say this? Is this right. going to be considered like, you know, racist or, or, or genderist or, or, or male chauvin? I mean, I don't, it is, but it's factually right. true. And the more that toy companies move away from the biological nature of children and how they play, the more it's going to hurt the toy industry. Because I get that, you know, science toys tend to be sold more in a boy's aisle. Um, and that's kind of what, start, that's what started some of that California issue. 
was a senator was upset because he couldn't find a science toy for his his daughter and had to go to the boys' right. aisle. But at the same time, a perfect example is uh, the there was Star Wars dolls a few years ago from Hasbro, uh, Forces of Destiny, um, where they sold dolls in the boys' aisle and they totally bombed. If they'd sold those in the girls' aisle, they would have done great. So there, you know, this does that's really the only political thing is this this concept that we're we're all equal, we're all the same. But that's just not true. We we you know, we're not. And I'm not saying one person is better than the other, but we are different. And there's a big difference between embracing differences and ignoring them. From a from a um, you know an insider perspective, I, I, and I'm I'm going to give you an example. You over over the past you know few weeks, you've given some really good examples of uh, you know some you know how how diversity can maybe go wrong in a in a marketing from a marketing standpoint. Um, I think Todd McFarlane did a a, a great uh, uh, episode. I, I think it was with Shardimus Prime a while back and. It, it made, you know, it made, I think they lost their minds at Bleeding Cool and, and everything like that. Bleeding Cool, though, did sell, Bleeding Cool did sell a McFarlane product, though, um, you know, just because I, I, I was going to buy it anyway. It's it's the freaking Supermobile and it's it, it harkens back to the Corgi, you know, miniature Supermobile and everything else. So that was going to be sold. But as soon as I saw that episode, I, I thought, you know, hey, that's... Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and, and do pull the trigger on on that one. But uh, I, I think Todd was right. I don't think he was being hateful in saying, you know, what he said about, you know, if if you're a parent and you're gonna go out and you've got all the you're gonna pass over dinosaurs, you're gonna pass over transforming dinosaurs, you're gonna pass over, you know, six inch GI Joes, you're gonna pass over Star Wars, and then you're gonna go buy this essentially doll uh for you know and you're going to take it home and and what does that do um you know there, there's a proverb train up a child uh in the ways he should go and when he's old he shall not depart from it or something like that and so I, you know I, it just feels to me like there has been a, a shift and I, i'm still trying to put my finger on where it came from um you know it feels one-sided I'm going to give an example. Um, uh, Power of the Proms uh, uh, Jazz. The I, I like to call him MAGA Jazz because, you know, four little Cybertronian glyphs on, you know, that, that you really, at my age, have trouble finding, but yet somebody found them, decoded them, lost their mind, and forced Hasbro to issue an apology on something like that. What, um, what did the glyphs say? Did they say uh, M-A-G-A. I, I don't I'm I'm surprised you hadn't heard of that. Uh but uh, No, I haven't. Someone someone released this <laughs> it was the transformer that said that said MAGA in glyphs. Yeah, and I think I think they were having a little fun with the make Autobots great again uh thing, but it absolutely caused a riot. And I think Transformer fans are among the most rabid. But they're also among the they're the cream of the crop as far as uh, as far as the phantom goes. <laughs> but uh, there's good and bad and everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, and, and but at the same time, you know, we we have uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, just just things that 
maybe the the right they're not as um or the you know conservative they're not as vocal usually they don't they usually vote uh instead of raise their voice i guess if i could but i i don't know man i just uh I just thought maybe you could bring some kind of clarity or, or from, from an insider's perspective, what does, a, what does a brand manager or a company, a corporation with stockholders, I mean, what do they look at and how do you get their attention um, to, you know, to, to maybe force a change or, or force something like that on, on, you know, on, onto the market? Um, well, interesting question. I mean, there's not like a direct formula for that. I mean, companies definitely want to avoid negative press at all costs. And I mean, a great example of that is actually going back to the 80s in in uh, the He-Man line, the Wondar, Savage He-Man figure, received right. a complaint letter from a parent saying that this, this mail-away figure was just a cheap repaint of He-Man. And that figure was canceled because the Koi company, you know, they figure, oh, if one person wrote this, it's going to be they represent X number of actual people who don't take the right. time to, and they did, they pulled the toy uh, because they didn't want to create negative publicity. So as far as getting the attention, do you mean like kind of asking a company to make a certain figure? Like, how do you do that? Well, well no, um, so much as it just, if you're, if, if from an activist standpoint, uh, I suppose, I mean, why do some, why do some, maybe they're just, maybe their voices are louder and maybe they have, you know, but how, how do you get, um, you know, how, how does one, I guess, reach out to a, I, I know, I know the, the one dar um, I was actually talking about that with my friend yesterday. He that was one of the questions. I, I said, "Hey, I'm going to have Scott Nylick on. Do you have any questions?" And he was he was like, "Ask him about Wonder Bread, the Wonder Bread He Man." I said, "I said, dude, I'm I'm, already, I'm just going to send you a link because he's already covered it." But uh, but yeah, I mean that does. I'm I'm sure I I you know watched the whole uh, episode. You talked about the letter that the lady wrote, and she she you know was very to the point. I'm going to have to seriously consider, you know, He-Man purchases in the future because you kind of ripped this off. I, I understand that. But but for something like with MAGA Jazz, why would that force a, and I know you can't speak for Has, Hasbro, but why would that force a, you know, some kind of apology? Why, why should they need to apologize for something like that? Well, I think in that reason, I mean, that's directly infusing toys with politics. I mean, even if it is a joke, like make Autobots great again, which is funny. Um, right. I mean, I love there's a, you know, that uh, Will Ferrell Sherlock Holmes movie he did where he wears a hat that says like make England great again. <laughs> you know, like there's humor right. there. I get it. There's a there's a difference between uh, parody. But for the most part, people don't want politics and their toys together. Um, mm -hmm. You know, go, let, let me, I'll, I'll answer your question, but sort of, you know, odd roundabout way, going back to what you said about Todd McFarlane. Excuse mm -hmm. me. Um, I've actually meant to do another video about that because I think what Todd said is absolutely brilliant. And the fact that he was getting, you know, negative feedback online from saying things like he can't sell a case pack of all female action figures. He's totally right. Like everything he said, it's not an anti-female thing. Everything he said about when he was describing, you, you know, that Chartimus Prime interview he did, if people want to look it up online, 
you know, he, he addressed the fact that, yeah, you know, when a kid is being rewarded with a toy for good grades or whatever, their birthday, they did something, you know, they mowed the lawn, whatever it is, they want, you know, they want to choose a character that appeals to them. And they're going to go for the monster or the robot or the barbarian or the spaceman. They're not going to go for you know, even like, a you know, a, an aggressive female like Tila or Black Widow. Boys tend to go for boy characters. So you can have, you know, I hate, you know, it sounds so bad to say like a token female, but it's just like how Barbie has a token male. They have Ken. It's right. exactly the same way in reverse. So what Todd said is like he like that was one of the most truthful statements I've seen in the toy industry in decades because he called right. it like it is. He's like, this stuff doesn't sell. And what was even and I'm going to get to answering your question. What was even better about his statement was that he said, um, he, uh, he, you know, he was talking about how the way you know, the, the way that the child, you know, what what they're attracted to, and but he's describing his toys, which we all think of as only for adult collectors. It's so right. easy to forget that what he's making, like basically, in other words, he was reiterating the fact that the bulk of his sales, even to these crazy, you know you know, satanic looking jokers and, you know, crazy looking Batman right. that look more adultish because they're hanging in the retail aisle. They're for kids. And that is such a key point right there is that we all as adult collectors tend to sort of, you know, it's like we don't want to hear that. Uh, but mm -hmm. Todd, Todd nailed it, basically being like, yeah, all these toys that I'm selling, they're going to kids, guys. Like the reason I don't do a full case pack of females, even though that might appeal to collectors, is there's not enough collectors out there buying my stuff. And he's right. There's not. <laughs> there's way right. more kids than than people like you and me. So going back to your question, then, toy companies pretty much try to avoid being political because you don't want to alienate any sect. You want to basically say neutral, you know, um, if you will, like the yarn people in Futurama. So um, the 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 there's no reason to bring that in because you're just going to alienate some portion of your your audience. I do love hidden messages on toys. I mean, that's really funny that the Autobot right. has that. You know, I love like translating the hieroglyphs that were on Moon Knight's costume and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason to go political because it's not going to help you. You, you want to just, you know, Luke Skywalker is not political. He-Man is not political. He's just a right. dude. You know, if you infuse politics into him, you know, you start saying things, you know, like you should have whatever. It, you're just limiting your options. Right. Right. Did I answer your question? I hope I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I don't, I don't know that I asked it all that well. So uh, I think you did the best with what you had. There. Well, <laughs> but, all right, um, then. Uh, no, I actually. Yeah. But um, let's talk um, play patterns pre-pandemic. Have things changed there? Um, not really, because, I mean, it was basically more that during the pandemic, things were really screwed up because children weren't getting social cues and behavior. I mean, children need to be hanging out with their peers and having right. interaction and everything, you know, covering their mouths and losing the ability to, I mean, you know, the, the isolation that, you know, kids had to go through and, and that, I mean, that's the long-term effects of that are going to be way worse than COVID ever was. I mean, we're going to sure. be seeing this for decades, but as far as playing before and after, I mean, play is play. You know, I don't, you know, I mean, sure there may be parents restricting their kids from 
uh, you know, going out or doing certain activities, but kids are always going to, you know, I think one of the beautiful things about toys is you can go back to Roman and Egyptian times and you're seeing the exact same toys. You're seeing dolls, balls, puzzle boxes, you know, I mean, sure things have gotten more electronic because we have technology. There's a great, there's a video I did where I had a, uh, it was a a Roman uh, catapult toy. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess it's a, a, is it a treble or whatever it is, something that flings rocks. (laughs) And, uh, uh, you know, it was a toy for a child in Roman times. And then I juxtaposed that with the Ewok catapult toy from Kenner and how they literally mm-hmm. looked like the exact same thing. Exactly. One was just made of wood and one was made of plastic. So yeah. it's like toys don't change. It's just, you know, we have more electronics these days. Tutankhamun was actually buried with, um, I guess, I, whether it was an action figure or a doll. Am I correct in that? You you, you seem like you have a, a good background uh, in Egyptology and whatnot. Uh, did, am I correct in saying that they found sort of an action figure or a doll in Tutankhamun's? Oh, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, he had he had not just dolls. He had all sorts of play, toy boats, toy chariots. Um, you know, I mean, he, di- he died when he was just reaching sort of adulthood. So he still had a lot. And that, that, wasn't, that tomb wasn't even meant for him. That's why they had to right. quickly put him there because he died suddenly. So, right. Uh, you want to take a stab on... Uh, Mumra and uh, the the whole Egyptology thing uh, in Thundercats lore, and I, I don't know if you've ever covered that. I've I, I watched a lot of the videos that you've referenced, and again, anybody who hasn't watched Scott's channel, you, you really need to do yourself a favor. It's better than the toys that made us. It's, it is just far... I mean, it, you'll just sit there and binge watch and binge watch and binge watch, but uh, well, you want to take a stab at, at Mumra and, and uh, I'm sorry. Uh, do you want to take a stab, maybe at Mumra? I'm, I'm having, I'm beginning to realize I'm never going to get his tomb, and so I'm, I'm actually looking maybe at uh, as far as Mumra. You know, he in the in the series, I just got the uh, the complete uh, set from Walmart. The you know the uh, the 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 complete DVD set, but. Um, I mean, with Mumra, I always thought it was cool that with Third Earth, again, you know, Egyptology sort of, you know, was that lone standing surviving, you know, thing and how how the 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 ancient spirits of evil, if you would, uh, the bull, the the crocodile, um, you know, and and I think that's all you got with the tomb. But, uh, you know, I mean. How the, the the role that Egyptology played in Thundercats? Have you ever really done a deep dive into that? Um, no, to tell you the truth, I honestly haven't, and I think that's because you know while I do have obviously a passion for Egyptology and I do love Thundercats, um, it's more it's I think it's less Egyptology and more yeah. kind of just like, yeah. the, like there's certain themes that work for kids, you know. Uh, pirates, astronauts, firemen, mummies. Sure. You know, it's why you see that, you know, pop up. I, I actually did it. I think I did a video on like, well, historical characters, but not necessarily Egypt. Egypt, But it's a theme. Egypt is one mm-hmm. of those themes that just resonates really well with kids because it's easy to understand. The visuals, immediate, you know, you see a mummy, you see a guy. I'm like looking, I'm like, I must have a mummy character on my shelf. Like here, you know, here's, uh, you know, a pin made of one of... Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, King Tut or from the Batman right. picture. But it's like you can immediately recognize that he's Egypt themed. 
And that's really why it works is because kids like theme, you know, fire, water, snow, ice, Egypt, pirates. It's, it, it's as simple as that. And, you know, sure. Third Earth and, and Thundercats, while it uses cues and visuals from Egyptology, mm -hmm. Egyptian culture, it's not really Egyptian culture. They're just sure. using, you know, it's like how Skeletor has that snake and demonic thing, you know, going on, if you will. It's no different. It's it's not, he's not actually a demonic character, you know, but he uses those visuals to entice children to buy his toy. I thought it was a great tie-in with the uh, the Thundercats He-Man crossover when they made, you know, the 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 snake avatar of Snake Mountain, sort of that, that uh, you know, sort of a lost, you know, ancient spirit of evil. I, I thought that was a great tie-in with, with DC and you're talking about Serpos, like when the cast when Snake Mountain comes alive. Uh, well, actually, in the the uh, the Thundercats He-Man crossover, oh, uh, yeah, you yes, see, yeah. and they mentioned they mentioned that sort of Snake Mountain is you know that you know that the the Avatar that ancient spirit. And I just thought it was a great tie-in. I, I thought that was awesome. And, um, and, and that's also why those kind of themes work because yeah, exactly. You can tie a Egyptian theme from Thundercats to that King Sphinx figure from Power Rangers. You know, right. or Nephthu from Masters of the Universe. Like, you know, is Nephthu a character that helped Mumra escape? Like, mm -hmm. that's it. That's it to a T. Is it, you've got a theme that communicates itself visually very quickly. You know, right. Pharaoh, fit, fireman's hat, pirate patch. You can immediately tell what it is, and that's why. Mm -hmm. You, uh, you, you made a comment in one of your videos that you, you know, uh, I think it was the one on on why the He Man. Uh, I guess the the way He Man was set up, it 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 didn't really work because He Man was more powerful than than Skeletor in in the majority of the uh, you know in the majority of the episodes, um, you know, and and that I guess uh, I guess that you know the hero's plight. Everybody wants to to root for the underdog, and the hero's plight is always sort of uh, you know what defines the hero. You know, the greater the the villain, the you know the I guess the greater the the victory at the end, but uh, just one more quick political thing. Um, how how good of a uh, a villain would Dark Brandon be at this point? Would uh, I mean is is he a, is he a good is he a good villain with the the background? I'm I'm seeing at some point that we maybe Super Seven will do a a Dark Brandon figure maybe in 3.75 with the red background and the kid can flip the light on and and show the background where he can give his speeches and things like that. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, dark I, I'm being I'm being stupid. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you don't want to. <laughs> I was like, well, who is, is that like a, I don't know that character. Oh, Dark Brandon. That's, that's, uh, that's what they call um, uh, Biden uh, after, you know, uh, they, they call, I guess they do the laser eyes and they call him Dark Brandon. So okay, I'm, I, I, mean, I just Googled it. Um, now I'm looking at an image. Yes. But there you go. That so. was, like, that would be a perfect example of a political character that, yeah. <laughs> Although I've seen. You know, during Operation Desert Storm or one of the Iraqi wars, a company yeah. put out a Jesus action figure with a missile launcher. Calling so, <laughs> you can I missed Google that, that one. I, I've got the, uh, you know, I've got some of the, uh, some of these. Uh, now, actually, this isn't. This is, uh, I think, Judah, um, but uh, he actually awesome. has the. Uh, he actually has the Dungeons and Dragons Spartan helmet on and uh, switched the sword up a little bit. I wanted him to have a little 
different double-edged sword there, but uh, um, I'm going to throw something out here. I, I know that you had uh, you had a little bit of uh, well, a lot to do with the the uh, 3.75 uh, Green Lantern uh, line from the uh, from the movie, and yes. uh, I want to thank you for that. You you really helped fill out my 3.75 uh, uh, Lantern core. I bought the Oa playset uh, in the uh, in the what was it Little Tykes or whatever uh, afterwards to kind of tie it all in. But uh, I'm a customizer, so I thought I would just throw out um, here is uh, a custom Sodom Yat. Nice, um, yeah, I can recognize he'll, that. Uh, he'll, he'll glow. Um, so yeah, I was I was able to uh, with with something that you uh, produced there. I, I did a little bit of a kept some translucence in there as well but uh yeah i just thought i'd throw that out there um that and i don't know that you had much to do with the, the figure but uh a little bit of a beefed up um custom stale with some uh you know with a few parts the uh the transformers uh what was that uh uh, construct bots uh backpack and some some glow in the dark optimus prime uh si similar to optimus primal's uh you know his gauntlets i thought i'd give stell some of those but yeah i mean and and that that for me is is another part the art you know that that you know collectors and and kids who who become collectors um it, you really have a sense of accomplishment when you do something even if it even if it just looks good to you you know, I, I I think it really, you know, is, is something uh, that you, you feel rewarded for. And and so, yeah. But, yeah, that, that line was great. Um, where is it? One more thing I want to show you. Where, what did I do with it here? Um, where is it? It's like a grail of mine. Oh, here it is. Um, oh, wait, here it is. It's the uh, I call it the Reynolds face, um, the Reynolds face uh, Hal Jordan. So total total grail, total grail. But now nah, I'm just picking. I'm, I'm I like to mess with Ryan Reynolds. So uh, in some of my my podcasts and tweets, so. <laughs> I'm sure he. Uh, I actually, you know, the the line in all seriousness though was was great for what it was. Uh, kind of the way that you all took the, the the sort of similar to how a, a, a like a transformer engineer would would create like uh you know something that would fold in on itself and you would never imagine that it could do that you all took a bunch of things like you know little little square traps that would flop out and become alligators and and hands and everything like that i mean talk about that how how that came about um you know when you're thinking of, uh, of of the development for the toy how did that happen um so th so those were the battle shifters deluxe figures um mm -hmm. so that basically came out because uh, <clears throat> well every sort of there's there's pressure in a lot of ways for every toy line to be unique and have some kind of like never before seen feature especially for a, a movie line so the design group was essentially tasked with coming up with something like that for Green Lantern. And they knew that the character's powers were sort of about instant transformation and, you know, being able to you know, make anything from your mind. And so uh, that technology, which was kind of referred to as plastic origami, 
was an inventor submission, I think, that had been sitting around for a couple of years that nobody could sort of figure out what to do with it. And mm -hmm. uh, the lead designer on Green Lantern, which was Ruben Martinez, basically said, oh, let's, let's try using this plastic orga origami concept. And mm -hmm. yeah, mocked something up and it just, it worked. It, uh, you know, it, it was literally a concept that had been sitting around for years looking for a home. And the, the, the feature just worked really well. Right. That and, and you know the toy industry, I guess they do that. Um, you know, I guess like Battle Cat and Big Jim. Uh, you know the you know a lot of the the things they they get creative, and that that's what's great because that's sort of what the toy uh, is supposed to do. So the designers, when they it just some of the things they have done over the years, just across all lines, is just uh, you know you I guess they're always trying to step it up. What's going to be the next thing that's going to sell? A ton of a ton of toys, and with Transformers, I think uh, at some point, especially during the Beast Machines era, they had a thing, uh, you know, a saying that was "transform and be transformed." And so, uh, you know, I, I can see with with like that um, that product line how you know they're always trying to find the right thing. Uh, sometimes it's a hit, sometimes it's a miss. Um, from the from uh, maybe from I guess. The, an insider perspective when you pour your heart into something and then you have a fan that you see online and they're just trolling the hell out of you or or, or something like that can can you think of a time that maybe you know that personally happened or or how you know how a designer that that you've known kind of deals with with negative feedback what what does that do to them um i mean honestly you, it, it's kind of why people joke about me having very thick skin because it, it doesn't really bother me. It's like, right, you know, if you don't like the toy, don't play with it, don't buy it. Like, it, right, because it wasn't done, be, like it wasn't done to 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 piss anyone off or to hurt them just because it didn't, you didn't like it. And also, right. I think because like ninety nine percent of the time, the things people complain about were things that I had no control over. You know, like people saying, oh, you didn't include this accessory or paint this or, or include this detail. It's usually because we didn't have the budget to do that. You know, if right. you want to start a toy company and fund it, knock yourself out. But at the end of the day, you have, you know, I think what a lot of people forget is that a toy company is no different than a company that makes shoelaces or jackets or cogs or pens. They have stockholders that own the company yep. and you have what they say you don't get to do what they the customers aren't in charge the stockholders are because they're the owners right. of them so that tends to be like why that those kind of things don't really bother me because you know it's like you're complaining about something i had no say in no control over no ability to, to alter so you know sitting here being upset about it isn't going to do anything sure i got gotcha. you um yeah. and i try not to do a lot of that um I, I found myself bitching about uh overrides feet from the speed speedy 500 collection um and i don't know why but i understand the budget concerns um you know things like that um but i want to i want to talk about something we got about maybe another about 15 12 minutes unless unless you want to carry on that's that's absolutely fine but uh i, I want to talk about um the market, and I mentioned some trends when I sent you an invitation. Um, I, I, re I really enjoyed uh, your video talking about how the uh, the He-Man 2-pack destroyed the uh, <laughs> the toy industry. 
Oh and yeah, that was fan. What's it? What's that? Oh yes, definitely. It destroyed. Oh, the yeah. Just anymore? Have you noticed? Um, but um, you know, I just uh, as far as everything goes with with you know, I, I'm in the car industry. I'm in the automotive industry, and we're working. We're going from having you know. 30 different models to choose from, you know, of any specific car to, you know, to pre-ordering and waiting months um, for, you know, for, you know, for an actual product for a customer to drive off the lot. So with the toy industry, how, how is that, you know, what are we seeing in the toy industry? And um, I've I heard, I've watched a, a guy named Eric Handler, um, he was talking about this uh, perfect storm that hit the toy industry back in uh, 2018. And I think with maybe the liquidation of Toys R Us and things like that, but just some market forecasting, um, you know, prices are going up everywhere. Uh, parents are having to choose between, you know, hamburger and, um, you know, a, a $30 action figure. So um, what are we looking at? Um, as far as forecasting, um, say for the next three to five years, I mean, if if you are comfortable going out that far, I mean, what what do we have in store in the toy in the toy industry in the in the toy marketing? Well, I mean, I think you know the biggest obstacles really is it's it's the cost, uh, the increased cost of toys that are that are going up, um, and you know that's completely based on labor, uh, material cost. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it's a shame, but it's like, I mean, it really, you know, you look at the quality of, of a toy you get for $20 and it's so different from what you would get, you know, 15 years ago. A uh, great example is, you know, uh, the, there's a classic Buzz Lightyear out for the new movie, not in the movie look, but in like the Toy Story look. And I think it's maybe an eight or 10 inch figure for $30. When the first Toy Story movie came out, that same figure was about five inches bigger and did a hundred more things. It had all these electronics, the wings popped, like so same toy, more money, fewer features, if you will. Um, and, it, and that's kind of like a benchmark, uh, you know, kids are, you know, kids are always gonna need toys. It's, it's, it's psychologically a way they deal with the world. Um, obviously electronics and screens have eroded into that a lot. Um, and pushed the time period that kids play with toys smaller and smaller. Like it used to be, you know, three to 13. Now it's, you know, three to seven or three to eight when they stop playing with toys. So that's really the biggest thing is that there's fewer, kids are growing out of toys quicker, if you will, and wanting, you know, wanting to be more adult and play with phones and TikTok and all that kind of stuff as a toy. So yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it. I mean, you know, but there's also a constant push for innovation. There's constantly new IP, new new movies that studios want toys for that are going to help promote it. So, you know, the big answer is, you know, there's, there's going to be demand. It's definitely, but, uh, you know, I think it's, it's the demand is, is going younger and younger. You know, preschool toys will continue to do well, outdoor toys. Um, you know, but it's, yeah, I mean, I, I think in a lot of ways we are sort of no longer in that sort of golden age of toy buying and toy collecting where, you know, Marvel Legends, when they first came out, were like $7.99. Plus you got a giant leg of a Sentinel and now they're $30. I mean, that's a big price increase for yeah. the same product. And I'm now starting to pass on Marvel Legends where previously I might buy even buy doubles 
and now I'm not even buying one because I'm like, I'm not buying, spending $25 on that. So, you know, that that's going to be an issue. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, do you, do you think there'll be a point, uh, maybe I'm just pessimistic because of, you know, all the news that I listen to and, but do you think there'll be a point at that, um, it'll just sort of, um, you know, we'll, we'll start to see older lines, more established lines sort of start to fold in on themselves or, or shut down. Are we going to see, um, you know, do you see anything like that? Maybe some of the exclusives. I, I, I was a bit hesitant. I ordered Star Saber from, uh, you know, uh, you know, the Hasbro's version of Maddie Collector, you know, Hasbro Pulse. I ordered Star Saber. Um, but I had serious concerns about, you know, in this pandemic with supply and everything like that, shipping, uh, you know, would I even get it at some point? <laughs> I mean, uh, so what about that? I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't think there's a concern about getting it um, mm -hmm. as much as there's just going to be fewer things going forward. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to nail something like that down, but right. you know, pre you know, when, when a company like Hasbro or Mattel can do a pre-order on HasLab or Maddie. Uh, was Mattel Creations? Uh -huh. That's always a good thing because it it, you know, it basically re it it removes the obstacle for the toy company of having inventory because they know it will automatically sell. Um, right. That's really that's really the big obstacle is you know creating pr you know no toy company wants to make things that are going to sit and lose money. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean we're definitely its prices have gotten to the point that it's it's difficult to collect stuff now and. As far as older brands, you know, a big part of that is companies are very concerned about investing in unknown properties because a property has a much bigger chance of failing than it does of succeeding. And I mean, the average length of a toy line at retail is about six months. You know, we look at things like Star Wars or Power Rangers and we forget about the hundreds of examples of toys that right. are we don't remember because they're not memorable. We just look at like, oh, sure. Star Wars has been on shelf for 40 years, so anything could be in the toy aisle. So there's a lot of that, um, and, you know, which is why you see so many nostalgia brands have their, you know, 4.0 and 2.0. But look at Ghostbusters, right? Ghostbusters came back, had a new movie. We had some really cool toys for both kids and collectors, and now it's gone. It's already gone. Ghostbusters right. is not on sale anymore, you know? So that's a perfect example. Sure thing. What what did um what did Mr. Handler mean when he referred to um the toy industry as a mature market? I, 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 I can't I, I maybe mean, not go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I just said I might need more context for that. Well, I was yeah, I was gonna say uh, he had I guess he was talking about uh, the loss of TRU, um, you know, and and this was three years ago, four years ago. He was talking about the future of toys, how um, you know, even though TRU sort of um, you know had had the the collapse here, you know, stateside, and uh, that maybe Amazon was going to come back in, but he referred to it as a uh, he said uh, that the toy industry is a mature market, and uh, and that it's, uh, I, I thought maybe he would meant, he meant cradle to grave. I'm, I'm not really sure. But, uh, and then uh, he said there's emerging uh, international markets in the toy industry that kind of are 
are maybe uh, you know starting to uh, find their way into the toy industry. I'm I'm not really sure. That's why I thought I would ask. Maybe you might have some perspective on that. I'm I'm sure that in 18 you kind of were seeing everything on your end as well. I mean, you know, the the loss of Toys R Us was huge because not only. I mean, a big reason because they had so much floor space and could carry so much, so much product. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, are looking at, you know, more emerging markets, China, India for, you know, Western toys, if you will, Um, you know, especially because of the price points. But, you know, honestly, I'm not 100% sure what he meant by a mature market. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. You know, Evergreen. I mean, you know, it's it's still a thirty billion dollar industry, but sure. kids are growing out of it quicker. Maybe gotcha. that's a- yeah. And and I I didn't really mean to you know have you speak for him or anything. I just thought maybe that was a, a term that had been you know that's thrown around in the in the industry. And I I just wanted to maybe. But uh, three three real quick things. I know we're we're coming up here. I'm gonna throw three um, ideas out. You tell me why they would or wouldn't sell. Um, the first one, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, uh, Johnny Eat World, uh, or I'm sorry, Jimmy Eat World, uh, the, uh, the band and the, the video 555. I'm doing the things that I told every day, every day, every day. Anything to prove, but never was anyone like you. No, I'm, I'm googling it real quick to see. Okay, uh, he's Jimmy. in it. He, he is this overlord, and he has this this group of clones behind him. And I, I've just a few weeks ago, I was uh, I was uh, you know sort of. Uh, shown this video and uh yeah, i just I, I, so if super seven took a 3.75 line they they do well i i hope with their with their uh musical line would or would this not be a great idea for them to pick up this overlord and then run with a bunch of clones uh to uh to maybe put into their super seven musical line you know I don't know how well that line sells, to, you know, to tell you the truth. Um, I mean, it definitely visually looks toyetic, but the question is, are there enough fans of it? I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I'd never heard it before. You, you mentioned it. Um, what? Well, yeah, I, I probably should have mentioned that in the in the email. Hey, watch this video because uh, I, I think the music and everything, especially you know, if if you watch the video. Um, you know, I think it would just be a great addition to Super Seven. I, I thought it was very toyetic, um, which I just learned from your uh, from your great line of videos that that term. So, you know, they, the the visuals something can look toyetic, but it doesn't necessarily sell. I mean, take uh, you know, Axe Cop is a great example. Everyone wanted to scramble and get the toy rights, but they never sold. So right. it really comes down to: is there an audience that will buy it? And when you're dealing with something that's not kid friendly, you're immediately, you know, chopping that sure. audience twenty percent of what it could have been. So, if there's to sell twenty thousand copies of it, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, literally, you know, there are toys made that definitely don't appeal to kids, but they're sold in the back of Target 
in the electronics aisle because they don't sell that well. So yeah, yeah. So I guess okay. <laughs> okay. So my next one: Are you familiar with the Cold Fire trilogy by C.S. Friedman? When Tree Night yeah. Falls. Okay. Uh, I really recommend you. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to her and try and have her on. Uh, came out in the late '90s. Uh, was a or early '90s was a. Uh, I, I think the perfect fusion of fantasy and science fiction. Um, she had some really great characters um, and a really great uh, premise behind it. Again. Um, you know, I, I don't know because it's unknown. Maybe you haven't heard of it, but I thought that would be a great line of, of figures to do would be a, a Cold Fire trilogy line. But maybe not since, you know, it's it's not as I, I thought maybe you would have seen that or, or heard of that. They um, Let's move on from that one, though. So maybe maybe if she develops it a little further, I, I got a little excited a, a few months ago. She had mentioned that uh, the trilogy was actually the trilogy of books had been looked at as sort of a, uh, um, you know, people making a, a series out of it. And that just sort of uh, anybody who hasn't seen it, I highly recommend if you have time to, to read a, a trilogy. But uh, OK, last one. Everybody will know this one. Celestials in the size of Shogun Warriors. <laughs> that that they actually make it to uh you know to to Walmart I, I know that shelf space would be limited but uh how would how would that sell um um they would have to have an enormous amount of screen time in a movie enormous amount um to right. justify that uh so i mean like we're talking you know there there are figures that sell as oversized, but we're talking Godzilla. We're talking, you know, oh, yeah. it, it's really rare. It's hard. Um, it's a cool idea. Um, Shogun Warriors doing blow molding. It, it makes sense um, in theory, like communism, but <laughs> it's not in the real world. It's, yeah, we're, really, we're talking about right. things like space, um, you know, we're, we're talking about the number of turn, you know, we, it would have to be a character that just kids are clamoring to buy. And uh, I mean, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the Marvel cosmic characters, and I've even thought they would be really cool done as just normal six inch figures, kind of like uh, Lord of the Rings had a tree beard figure that was just six inches. Yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't in scale to the rest, but he was cool because he was just there. So I was, I thought sure. that's a good way of approaching it. But Time will tell. They would they would need an enormous amount of screen time and to do things that are just visually really cool to even for a company to even think about that. Scott, um, anything we didn't cover? Anything that uh, you want to say um, that uh, that we you know like I said that I didn't ask or anything like that? You know, hey, just you know, keep collecting, stay positive, and uh, you know we're all in this together. So try to you know help each other and you know we're, we're toys are meant to be fun and i appreciate everyone watching the channel i'm always excited to have suggestions for topics and uh we'll keep going and we'll see where the future leads us check out his channel specter creative um spectercreative.com uh i mean he the the man is just a a wealth of entertainment and knowledge and uh just uh uh, you know, just a, a great place to go when you just want to leave, 
the rest of the crazy ass world behind. Go check it out. It, it's a great time. Scott, thanks again. Happy uh, Labor Day. And uh, thanks for, for taking time out of your day to uh, to put this one in the books with me. Absolutely. No, thank you for inviting me. It was a real pleasure and uh, good luck. Well, happy to always do it again. And uh, when you have when it goes live, let me know and I'll, I'll repost it on all my social as well. You're a gentleman and a scholar, Scott. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting me. And yeah, we'll be in touch. Absolutely. I'll, I'll send this out as soon as it's done, man. Awesome. All right. Have a great rest of your Labor Day. You too, sir. All right. Bye. Bye.